So this morning, I brought my rain boots. I brought my rain boots actually not because it's raining outside. I almost put them on, but they're a little heavy to wear. And I move around a lot. I get told that by the people working the cameras. Um, But I brought my rain boots. Not just for the weather, but because this summer we're going to be starting a new series on troubling passages in Scripture. Or Phyllis Treble calls them, and let's see if I can say this, texts of terror. These are passages in Scripture that can make us a little uneasy or uncomfortable. Passages in Scripture that can leave us with questions like, Okay, what's the point of that? Or what's happening here? A friend of mine recently uh, told me that she was reading Noah and the Ark story with her uh, son. And at the end of the story, her son kind of looks up at her and says, Mommy, is God the good guy or the bad guy? Because as we grow up, we start to see things that we may not have seen when we were younger. And sometimes we don't know what to do with it. Why are some of these stories a part of God's holy word? Today we're just going to talk about kind of the how and why we read scripture, including all these uneasy and uncomfortable and messy stories. But let's just go back to the troubling part for just a bit. I mean, sometimes it does feel, and I'm saying this as a pastor who's gone to seminary, sometimes it feels like I need rain boots when I'm reading scripture because it feels sometimes muddy and messy, and at times I feel stuck as to what to make of some of the things that we read. Like the death of the firstborn sons and the plagues upon Egypt. Or as a woman how many times women go unnamed in scripture. There are so many different things that we can look at and it can just give us pause. But we're going to look at some of these passages this summer. I'm going to make you two promises. One, we're not going to hit on all the passages that can be troubling at times. And two, we're not going to, even the ones we do look at, we're not going to answer all the questions and we're not going to necessarily remove all of the unease and discomfort. And that's okay. Because here's the thing, scripture is not meant to be read to put a pretty bow on it. In Jewish tradition, when you... When you encounter things that make you uncomfortable or leave you with questions, that's a good thing. In Jewish tradition, you approach scripture as a starting point for a conversation. And that's how I want us to look at scripture, not just this summer, but always. Scripture is the starting point for a conversation. I get so uncomfortable with, I see it lately, especially on social media, we can turn to scripture to be a trump card or to try to win an argument. 
But scripture is never meant to be used to try to win an argument or end a conversation. Scripture is always the starting point of a conversation. We gather as a church family on Sunday mornings and we look at verses and passages of scripture. And as we look at scripture, it forms us into the into community, to God's community. And we can go forth from this place talking with one another about this passage. That's how it helps form us. And in our small groups that we may have, it it continues to create that community and to form us. And even when we read scripture as individuals, at times we're going to encounter things that just give us pause, or we're going to have a question, or we're going to see something anew that we had not seen before. And it starts a conversation because when we see things in Scripture, we shouldn't keep it to ourselves. We should reach out to one another and say, this is what I've seen. What do you think? Scripture is always the starting point of conversation. And one thing that encourages me time and again is how many people I know who have read the same passage of Scripture time and again see something anew, even the hundredth time reading it. We read scripture because as Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, and it talks about that the word of God is alive and active. We read scripture and we come back to it time and again because it is living. And it sharpens us and it helps prepare us for life. And it, and it invites us into the story, into the story where we encounter the trying God. Now, as, as Methodists, and here's where I'll get to the some nuts, nuts and bolts things. As Methodists, when we talk about Scripture, we talk about it as authoritative and trustworthy. Now, sometimes when we read Scripture, we can get confused because it's not just the, the troubling passages that can give us pause, but because sometimes scripture doesn't agree with scripture, it seems. Like Genesis 1 and 2 has two creation stories that don't exactly line up. Or we look at the gospel passages. And, and even the, in the gospels, there are things that don't necessarily agree with each other. Have we ever thought about what to do with that? I still remember... My high school Sunday school teacher, Mr. Corbin, and he's a lawyer, and, and he looked at us one day and he said, seriously, what do y'all do with the fact that scripture can contradict itself? And it's not the big stuff. And we kind of looked at him and we were just like, what, what's he trying to do? And Mr. Corbin said, as a lawyer... He was like, you never want every account to agree. 
he was talking about a, a case that wasn't his but was happening in our community where a, a young man who had graduated from our high school um, was, was in an accident at the university and ha- was paralyzed. And so everyone in the community was talking about it. And he said every single one of his fraternity brothers, 20 to 30 of them who were present, had the exact same story. Every detail, every verb, every word just matched up perfectly. There was no difference in any of their stories. And he said, that's, as a lawyer, that's when you know that they're lying. Because here's the thing, all of us in worship this morning, at the end of worship, we can write down two or three sentences of what happened. And all of us are going to say something different because of what we've seen, because of what we've heard, because of where we're sitting, because of what's on our minds at the time. All of us are going to see something different. And he said, as a lawyer, it actually gave him encouragement in reading scripture that all of these different people are writing down these accounts of God and Jesus from what they saw from where they stood, from what they heard. He said, we should look to those moments in scripture and actually find encouragement that they didn't feel the need to make everything the same. They each told their story of how they encountered God and how they encountered Jesus. Because all of our stories will be different as well. And so we, we admit there's contradictions and sometimes we don't know what to do with it. But the big things are always the same. Old and New Testament, the call to love God, to love neighbor. Of what it means to put God first. The big things remain the same. And because of that, we call scripture authoritative, that it has the authority authority as the word of God with these big things always the same to tell us how we should live our lives and we call it trustworthy because it's each person's account and we also agree with second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 where it says that the word of God is inspired by God that God is through the Holy Spirit, inspired each and every one of these writers to, to write down these accounts. And so we call it authoritative, we call it trustworthy. All these stories, all these pages, some of it a little boring, because if you get to the genealogy and you're not looking to trace it, that can get tedious or all the numbers of whatever what someone took with them like a paragraph long on a journey and the troubling like the flood and the killing of the firstborn sons but ultimately it's in all of scripture it's in the whole everything together where we encounter God and we are invited to step into God's story. 
were invited to come and to see, to come and to find our place. In John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That that the word of God it is, in Hebrews it talks about being alive, but in, in the gospel of John it reminds us that in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus that we see the, the word of God come in flesh. That when we get confused as to what direction to go or what to understand or especially what to make of some of the Old Testament commandments, we, we remember that the word of God came into flesh and being in Jesus Christ. And so when we get confused, we look to the life of Christ to dictate how we understand Scripture. So we're going to be pulling from the life of Christ as we look at some of these troubling passages in Scripture to remember that it's through the lens of Jesus that we can best see and understand what scripture is trying to tell us, especially when we feel stumped, and how to live. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is here to guide our next steps. And sometimes we're going to need rain boots. And sometimes we're going to feel stuck and sometimes we're going to get messy and sometimes we're just going to feel stumped. But sometimes we're going to feel such hope and joy and comfort. Because the word of God will meet us wherever we are and will guide our steps. It's just the question of whether or not we're willing. I'm looking at the time. But there's one passage, I can't talk about this and not lift up. And it's Genesis 32, verses 22 through 32. Where Jacob's preparing to, to meet his brother Esau, whom he's tricked out of his birthright. Jacob ran out of fear. And Jacob's finally beginning to confront his brother again. Jacob sends his family to the other side, and Jacob is, verse 24, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And it talks about how from that point on, Jacob walked with a limp. He never walked the same way again. As he was given the new name of Israel, for he had wrestled with God. 
We come to Scripture not for that pretty bow. We come to Scripture to wrestle with it and to be shaped by it so that we never walk the same way again. These troubling passages of Scripture that we're going to be looking at, they're not going to have a pretty bow on them. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't look at them. Because it's in the whole of God's story that we are invited to step into. The mud, the mountain highs, the valley lows, all of it. We're invited to step into God's story. Where God will meet us. Well, God will show us the next steps. We just have to choose to step in. Rachel Held Evans, she wrote this, and I, I've written it over and over time and again in my notes. Every page of scripture serves as an invitation to wonder, to wrestle, to surrender, to the adventure. Every page is an invitation to wonder and to wrestle and to surrender to the to that adventure. Because God's story and God's word is alive and at work, not just in the pages of scripture, but in our lives. The question is, will we get our rain boots and step into it? All of it. And allow it to, to give us questions and to give us, to give us those muddy places to step into. But also to give us hope and to give us renewal and to remind us of who our God is. Because we come to God's table today to remember that our God came in flesh. That the word of God came and dwelt among us. So that we could be called children of God. That God saw us in our mess and our brokenness and our sin and our shame. And God decided to tell another story. And so Jesus came so that we would know God close enough to touch. Just like the pages of scripture and the homemade bread. God that we can touch and know. Jesus came to invite us into God's story and to invite us into God's family. He came and surrounded by his friends said, this is my body that I will break for all of us to know forgiveness and healing. And he took the cup and said, this is my blood, my love poured out so that you would be marked as God's own. We come to this table as people to be formed into God's family, 
formed by his word. Every part of it. So that we can be shaped by his word. And know the truth of a God who is alive and present. And so we come praying, oh God, for your forgiveness and your love to be poured out. Pour out your spirit upon these gifts of bread and wine and upon us gathered here. May make these be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Make us one in ministry with you and with one another until Christ returns and we all feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. So I invite you at your tables as you uh, share the bread and the juice together, the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you, to, to remember with this invitation of bread and juice, the invitation to step into God's story this summer together. Take and eat.